Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. So the second part of this is this, and this is where Jesus really kind of hones in, is that if we want to pursue forgiveness from God, then we have to be willing to offer forgiveness to other people that somehow the forgiveness that God offers us is related to the forgiveness that we should offer other people. And that's super critical. And Jesus unpacks this in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, and in that chapter, Jesus is actually talking about reconciliation among broken relationships. And so he, he gives us the kind of famous way of this is how you restore broken relationships. And then Peter asked Jesus, okay, Jesus, how many times should we actually forgive someone when they've wronged us? And so Jesus gives them, like he always does, a parable to teach them something. And so in verse 21, I'm going to paraphrase just a little bit. Jesus says this, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like this king who went to go collect debts from his servants. And there is a servant who had all of these thousands of bags of gold that he owed to the king. And when the king comes to collect that money, the guy doesn't have it. So the king is going to actually take away his property and actually throw him in prison, sell his property um, so that he can collect his debt. And so the servant doesn't have the money. And so he begs the king, says, king or master, would you please uh, just give me more time? And so the king is so merciful that he says, okay, yeah, you don't have to pay the debt. I actually cancel it. You don't owe me anything. And so then that servant goes on out and walking in freedom. And then he finds one of his fellow servants. And that servant owed him just a few silver coins. Owed the servant just a few silver coins. And so the servant says, hey, I want my money. And then the servant that owes the other servant some, some, a few silver coins says, I don't have it. Would you please give me more time? And that servant refuses to forgive the debt. He refuses to give him more time. He actually says, hey, throw him in prison. He chokes the guy. It's like very, very harsh. And so uh, what happens at the end of the story is after he refuses, the, the, the other servants go and they hear about this. And so they go and they tell the king. And so here's what happens in verse, verse 32. He says, then the master called the servants in, called the servant in and says this, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sisters from your heart. Those are some harsh words from Jesus. Put that in the category of things I wish Jesus hadn't said. I mean, they're really sobering. And we're going to come kind of come back around that for in just a minute. But the essential point of the story is not just what it says right at the end. It's, it's really about a story who recognizes they have this enormous debt that they owe to someone that they can't pay. And that person graciously, uh, the, a person, they appeal to someone, this king who graciously forgives that debt with the expectation that that person would go and do it. It's an unspoken thing. Because I've forgiven you freely of your debt, you should freely forgive others, especially because your debt was so great and that person's was so small. 
And in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, what Jesus is saying is full of people who have been freely and graciously forgiven of all that they've done wrong. That every possible sin, everything that we possibly could do, Jesus making this connection, that everything that we could have possibly done, it doesn't matter how bad it is, can and will be forgiven by our Heavenly Father. But because of that incredible grace, there's no place for not extending forgiveness to other people. It's actually an abuse of grace to not extend grace to other people. It's an abuse of unforgiveness because our debt to God was so great for us to not forgive debts to other people. No matter what people have done to us, there is no way it compares to what we have done to God in the course of our lifetime. I mean, it, just doesn't, it, just, it just doesn't add up. And that's the point. It's like God's grace is so huge. It's so big. He's so loving and caring and ready, ready to forgive that it's completely inconsistent when somebody receives that to not offer that to other people. And Jesus uses these kind of harsh words here, this warning to say, man, if you don't do that, like this is exactly how your story is going to end up if you don't forgive other people. And look, I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't like that. I want to find a quick way to like soften the blow of those words. But I feel like sometimes Jesus says these things in these provocative, kind of challenging, sober ways because he wants us to feel the weight of his words. You know, Jesus, uh, he is the great comforter. He brings peace into our lives. He speaks incredible healing into our lives. He does all those kinds of things. But sometimes he has to bring a disruption into our lives in order for us to hear exactly what it is he has to say. Jesus was known among his, his uh, followers and among the people around him as a prophet. And prophets were often very, um, uh, very serious in their tone. Uh, Jesus was a man who I'm sure many people wanted to be around because he was so loving and so kind and caring. He had this ability to be so gentle and humble. But yet in these moments like this, he doesn't mince any words. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. I mean, man, that doesn't fit with this kind of like uber nice buddy Christ, you know, that we sometimes think about when it comes to Jesus. And I think that Jesus speaks this way and both his, his people of his day and scholars since then know that Jesus speaks with hyperbole. He, he is speaking in an intentionally provocative way to get us to understand the gravity of what he's saying. It's not to make us necessarily be fearful. It's actually cause us to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe the grace that I have been given. And actually, sometimes Jesus' words should disturb us and bring us to that place where we go, oh, I can't believe how good God has been to me and how much I have withheld that goodness from other people. Now, that's this story prior to the cross. We have the benefit of the good, the whole gospel of the good news. And the whole gospel says this, each and every one of us were those people who are imprisoned, who needed forgiveness and, and probably didn't forgive other people as we needed it. So all of us stand with this enormous debt. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus willfully, freely, lovingly, joyfully steps into our place. The one who had no, who had never sinned becomes our sin. The one who had never done anything wrong becomes the one that offers forgiveness, the one that offers 
reconciliation. The one who had no debt takes on all of our debt. I mean, that is the good news of the gospel. So I can, I can see in the back of his mind, Jesus, like he knows the plot twist here in the story. He knows that while this is sobering for everybody, he says, yeah, I want you to feel the weight of this because I want you to fully understand what it means for me to step into that prison cell that you belonged in and take upon me all of the judgment that was waiting for you. It's all, it's all on me. That is incredibly good news. That good news actually doesn't mean that we're now free from the obligation to forgive other people. In fact, I would argue it makes us even more aware of the necessity to forgive other people when we understand what Jesus has done for us, when we get the gravity of just how great and awesome God's mercy and his grace and his kindness is towards us, it, we should be overwhelmed and so ready to offer that grace and mercy to other people. It shows us how we are free to forgive. And actually, if the cross is true, if, if Jesus has forgiven us, we not only have been forgiven of what we've done wrong. We are empowered to forgive other people. We have it within us. Think about this. The spirit of God lives in you. The forgiver lives in the forgiven. The forgiver lives in the forgiven. So you and I have the forgiver inside of us and he empowers us to offer forgiveness to other people. I, I, want us to, I want us to know that that's true. I want us to not settle for less than that. At the same time, I want us to recognize that forgiving people and seeking forgiveness is not always easy. So just because we know it's available to us doesn't always mean it's easy to access in us. Forgiveness is actually really complex, especially when there has been real pain, real trauma inflicted upon us. And when relationships have truly been broken, offering forgiveness to other people is not an easy thing. So I don't want to make it seem like this is just a simple thing. You just do it and you just snap your fingers and then it's just gone. It's not the way it works. Oftentimes, short of miraculous softening of the heart, forgiveness doesn't even seem possible. We struggle to forgive. I love to watch stories of of people who offer incredible amounts of forgiveness. And there's a thread oftentimes in these stories of forgiveness that you see kind of in the news where this person's family member did uh, something wrong, happened to their family member, and then this person offered them forgiveness. Most often, they're followers of Jesus who understand the incredible grace of God. Oftentimes, offering forgiveness or seeking forgiveness is painful. It's often messy. Rather than a simple flip of a switch, it's actually more like a process that it kind of comes and goes. At least that's how it's been for me, and that's been my experience for other, other people. It's a complex process. It doesn't happen just overnight. And that pain and that messiness, my experience is very few good things that are healing and bring us wholeness and restoration come without pain without that kind of process. So just because it hurts doesn't mean it's not good for you. And just because it's complex doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. As a matter of fact, I would say the complexity of forgiveness doesn't absolve us of the necessity of forgiveness. 
the complexity, how, how difficult it might be, how hard it might be. Actually, sometimes we will avoid it, but it doesn't actually cl- clear us of the necessity to offer forgiveness. Because as I said in the beginning, the unforgiveness that sits in our heart is actually dangerous to us. It's actually toxic to us. And it's hurtful to other people when we hold people in that place with a debt that they can't pay. It's actually, it's just dangerous all the way around. This is why forgiveness is so important to the heart of God. So we can't let the complexity of forgiveness kind of absolve us of the, of the necessity of forgiveness. So all of that to say, it's, it, even though it's not easy, it's so important to the heart of God that he, Jesus makes it, it's the only one of these prayers in the Lord's Prayer that he offers any commentary on, says, Lo, no, look, this is super, super important for you to get right now. And I just wonder how might my prayer life be different if I walked in greater awareness of those in whom I owe forgiveness because of, uh, because of what they have done for me or for those uh, who, um, who I need to go and seek forgiveness for them. I just wonder what, what might be going on in my prayer life. I don't know. I don't know how this works. I think that Jesus here is probably speaking in that hyperbolic kind of sense where he wants us to feel the sober warning. But man, I don't want to live with any unforgiveness in my heart. And I don't want anyone walking around me with unforgiveness in their heart towards me because I didn't pursue forgiveness from them because I didn't seek them out. I just don't want that in my life. And I think that Jesus has in mind a kingdom community where where people really pursue unity and unity can only happen when there's forgiveness. It's not enough just to say, yeah, I'm not mad at that person anymore. In the kingdom of God, in the family of God, it actually takes this this step beyond that. And I think that that is his ultimate heart for that. Now, I know that I don't have time to unpack how to walk in forgiveness, all the details of how to pursue forgiveness, but let me give you some starting points. The first thing I would do is just say, look, I would do this on a regular basis is to win in your prayer time. And I think this is kind of the heart of what Jesus is even getting at is in our prayer time. When we're asking God forgiveness for things, for what we've done, we should say, God, is there any unforgiveness in my heart toward other people? Is there anything in my heart I'm holding against other people? Then I think we should ask God to, and, and really seek the Lord's heart here and say, God, is there any, is there uh, is, is, have I offended anyone? intentionally? Is there, is there something that I need to do and go and make right? I need to go and fix this situation somehow. I need to go and seek their forgiveness. Now, I know that not every situation we've actually, because of everyone's offense, doesn't mean we always have done every things wrong. Some people just live with an offended heart. I'm not necessarily saying that we have to be worried and concerned about all of that, but when we know we've done something wrong, or when something, when someone has clearly said, hey, you have wronged me, and we ignore that, we don't do anything about it, man, we've got to pursue God's heart there, and we have to pursue forgiveness. And so, uh, so, so I think we start, the starting place here is prayer. And when God brings things up, sometimes I have found that I find myself miraculously able to forgive someone, or God miraculously heals a situation of brokenness that he didn't think it was possible for that to happen. I've seen that happen in marriages. I've seen it happen in friendships. I've seen it over and over again, where the spirit of God moves in a situation where it just seems like, man, I don't know how that happened, but there was healing there. Sometimes that's not going to be the case. Sometimes you're going to need help. 
Sometimes you may have to come to me as a pastor or to a trusted friend that follows Jesus and says, man, I don't know how to work through this unforgiveness thing. And not in the heart of gossip, not in the heart of saying, I need to talk to you about this thing that happened with so-and-so. Actually, Jesus says, don't do that. He says, if you can't work it out in, in, in Matthew chapter 18, if you can't work it out on your own, go to that person. If you can't work it out on your own, then you bring someone along with you to help you work out this, this issue. So, but, but there are times in life where we just, that forgiveness is so, uh, that unforgiveness is hurting our hearts so much that we can't figure out how to get out of it ourselves. And so what I would say is that we've got some really great counselors in our church family who I know would at least have the, the first conversations with you about how do you start to begin to pursue forgiveness, whether it's off, whether it's giving or receiving forgiveness. I would love to have that conversation with you just to say, how do you pursue, how do you take the first steps towards giving or receiving for forgiveness? And I think that if we'll be willing to step into this, we'll begin to, to recognize, man, the intimacy is growing with the Father. And we'll get, begin to see our connection is growing with one another, but we have to be willing to pursue forgiveness. So my prayer for you is that as you step into prayer, you'll begin to step in more into more this need of recognizing just how gracious God has been to you and just how much, how gracious you should be and I should be to other people. So I'm going to pray for that for you for right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the forgiveness that comes to me through the blood of Jesus, that I am made whole and reconciled. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would remind me on a daily basis of your great and incredible love for me and love for my friends. I pray, Lord, that you would remind my friends watching today of just how infinite your love and your grace and your mercy is for them. But God, I pray that as you do that, you would lay conviction on their heart to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation with those whom they've wronged or with those that they are kind of uh, in, in some kind of fracture uh, where there's some kind of dissension, God. I just pray that you would bring healing and forgiveness to those situations, Lord. Your prayer was that we would be unified as a church, so I pray that you'd help us to pursue that, whether inside the family of God or outside the family of God. I know that your heart is to reconcile brothers and sisters, best friends, mothers and fathers, so I pray for every broken and fractured relationship that when the kingdom of God comes, there would be healing and restoration to those relationships. So bring conviction where there needs to be conviction. Bring humility where there needs to be humility. Bring grace where there needs to be grace, Lord. Bring love where there needs to be love. Let all of the, the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit in the kingdom of God raise up in the life of your people. God, let the forgiven know that the forgiver lives within them and is freely and available to help them along this way, Lord. And I pray that we would walk in radical mercy and forgiveness as a church. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week. We hope that you are encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com, or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.